Hello and welcome back to Experiencing Gold, a tabletop role-playing game podcast. I am your host and DM, Nick Singer. Joining me, as usual, are Keith, Sam, and Connor as Pariah, Catmint, and Malachi. However, However, it's our 50th episode. Woo! Connor's so happy. He sneezed. That's what he does when he's happy. So we're not- That's how, that's how so- he lets us know. I'm I'm just so pleased. I, I'm pleasing with the sneezing. That's how um, dogs let you know that they're uh, play fighting. With the sne- so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They sneeze, is. or how the they hell? let you know they really got to go outside. They'll come up Do- to you and just sneeze. Dogs is weird. Dogs is dogs weird. Dogs are great. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, as our fiftieth uh, episode, it's uh, just uh, you know we decided let's get a couple questions. From the fans and uh, get a couple questions from each other because, oh boy, yeah. episode 49 was a doozy, huh? It's not like we just had a, a, a terrible, terrible time or anything. I'm just going to drink some more. I mean, we did all do very stupid things. <laughs> and now it's time to reflect as we are. Honestly, that episode hurt me more than it hurt you guys. Are you sure about that? I don't want to have to kill off my girl, but I knew it had to happen. (laughs) Raya doesn't have an eye. He doesn't. But that wasn't last episode. That was 48? Yeah, that was 48. I still don't have an eye. (laughs) He didn't come back. Mm -hmm. And my sister's in a bag. It's not like anybody will lose anything else, probably, right? Uh, No, no way. I forget about that sister in a bag. We're yeah. There's no Probably. way we're gonna remember about Pariah's <laughs> we're gonna forget sister about in Constance. the bag. You guys have mm-hmm. forgotten about the gin in the bottle. Oh, we have. Yeah. We have a lot oh, yeah, of, yeah. of. We've got but a lot of speaking people of in things places. that you've forgotten. <laughs> I'm gonna do a quick recap of where we are. Get you up to speed, just to remind you of a couple things. All right. Let's see if I can sum this up pretty quickly. So the party met in Bastion. They got together and decided let's go to Victoria, the city in the sky, get some guidance from the heroes before us, and then they were like, oh, okay, so we should go meet with Graco, who was a previous hero. Let's get our songs unlocked, or something like that. So they did. After that, they met with Terra, one of the previous heroes, and they developed a game plan of how to stop the Scarred Man, which, between you and me, I'm pretty sure they've forgotten about. After that, they went to Erin, met her. Erin is the creator of Pariah and all of his siblings and all of the other Machina. Well, the other Machina can be born. It it follows the tiefling principle. If like a Machina and somebody else have a kid, the, the result is a Machina. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. They went to Soup after getting captured by Captain Hemel. Catman pushed Captain Hemel off of the airship and killed him, quote-unquote. They went inside Monjalkovich's head in the town named Soup, and when they got out, everything was awful, and the majority of the town had been obliterated. They decided, we can't just take this lightly, it's time to get serious. Then they went to Catman's village, Met Baba Naga underwater. Met a dragon named Iborosil. Uh, I don't actually know uh, what Sam slash Catmint did with that dragon scale that she got. 
and I'm not thinking about it too much. After that, they went and met Tamber in Duskvale and solved the murder mystery, and it was pretty fun. After that, they went to Grand Falls, met Duke, Pariah almost died, and then they killed the Prestige. And saved Doug's life, which I did not expect, which I also was able to turn into something super fun that wasn't, uh, well, if you've watched, you know what's going on. They all split up after that to go their separate ways and train more, get their God Slayer weapons, that sort of thing. If you haven't listened to those, I'm not going to sum them up because their individual episodes are pretty fantastic and I would recommend listening to them. After that, they found out that the Clockwork Faithful, the nutjobs that worship Arin, were over causing problems in Victoria and placed the entire town under, well, it's not really martial law. I guess it's martial law. And by town, I mean city. So they went into the Clockwork Faithful's base, their church, solved some puzzles, and then killed Captain Hemel for a second time. They then found out, upon going back to Arin, that Arin was actually a doppelganger and had been for quite some time. They killed the doppelganger, saved Arin, and then found out that the ruins that they discovered back in, I want to say it was like the third or fourth episode, was actually the Crescendo's base. They went through all the floors, solving puzzles, conversing with the scarred man every single time they had to go down the stairs, and, you know, they did not like that so much. And eventually, they confronted him and lost horribly. They are now in hell, and you're brought up to speed. That's where the recap goes. Well done. And that's what you missed on D&D. That was really funny. Who said what? that's what you missed on Glee reference, and it's and that's what you missed on D and D. It was really funny. I don't know Glee. Yeah, that's probably for the best. First question from one of our listeners is going to be taken from uh, that guy who's been there since day one. You know who you are, James. Hey, um, James, my boy. Yeah, very curious about uh, Malachi. Oh. What is your favorite part about playing a Rostovian knight, Connor? Um, getting to, to build the Rostovian knight and sort of figure out what that means. Um, just for a little background knowledge, the, the Rostovian knight came about um, because Keith's character, Rostov, uh, decided that for their, like, for their immortality at the end of being a hero, at the end of the first music campaign... They were going to have their immortality be their fighting style, and it was going to get passed on, and people were going to to learn it, and it was going to become more prevalent. Um, so when we were designing characters for this game, I was like, it'd be really cool if I were a, a student of one of our previous characters in some way. And originally, I was going to be one of Grokko's, but then I was like, nah, that's too close to home. Um, now... We had no idea what a Rostovian fighter was really going to be. We had a basic idea. Um, no clue. And uh, then one week when I was visiting Nick back when you guys were living up in Minnesota. Um, Soda. We Down in Minnesota now? 
for me, up, for me up in Minnesota. Across yeah, in, for Minnesota. You up in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, but you and I, we just like we. One of the days I was there, we just sat down at your computer mm-hmm. with all of the the currently available D and D books, including like the fourth edition ones, to reference some of his old abilities. And we fleshed mm-hmm. out that class to the point where we were happy with it, and that was to me that that was my favorite part of it because we really got to build that class from the ground up. It was it was mm-hmm. really fun messaging Keith too and being like, <laughs> Keith, do you still have Rostov's character sheet? And he's like, uh, somewhere, maybe. <laughs> Keith, Keith, what the hell did Rostov do? Magic. <laughs> <laughs> And hit things. Subs it up nicely. <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean, it is a, it's a tweaking of Eldritch Knight. Mm-hmm. A heavy tweak. But it was really Eldritch fun Knight. to come up with, how is it different than an Eldritch Knight? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what a Rostovian Knight is. Because Eldritch Knights really aren't built to tank. No. No. But Rostovian Knights are. Mm-hmm. Yes. This one is for Keith. Okay. By James. He wants to know, are you going to continue this trend of dread? And will we get to see you as a DM potentially more in the future? So, uh, the se- last Halloween, we did our second episode of Dread. Woo! Yay, it went great. Oh, yeah, God. actually, uh, people survived. <laughs> And I was really happy with... Person survived. You Person, survived. survived. <laughs> <Yeah>. Person survived. Person <laughs> survived. Uh, and I was really happy... I'm not going to tell you who it was, but I was really happy with the um, with the, the scenario that I created for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really think that I'm going to keep going with Dread. Uh, I'm actually probably going to do... Um, I'm going to try to keep creating scenarios, but... It's nice to have a few fallbacks because uh, the the actual the dread PDF comes with I think three, mm-hmm. um, and they're all pretty good and we've only played one so, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, uh, I think we've got something that we can say as to more DMs. I was gonna say top secret. <laughs> we have plans, y'all. We have, we do plans. have plans. There, we have there plans. are plans. I will. We'll put it this way. I will not be the only DM. Hey, Sam wants to step in for Easter this year. So <laughs> we're actually going to do Illumin Easter, hopefully. <gasps> Illumin Easter. Yeah, because I'll actually, I'll actually remember this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, I think we all, once I DM, we'll all have had opportunities to run mm-hmm. games on this show. But yeah. there's definitely some more long-term plans uh, in terms of kind of switching around and telling different types of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different types of games. All right. This question was to me from James. How did you come up with your setting for the world? And where did you draw inspiration from? A couple people actually asked this one. Uh, James just asked it first. And... Uh, I would have to say, honestly, I have no idea how I came up with it. Um, I know. I have an came... inkling. Please try to remind me, guys. Okay, I'll tell you how. <laughs> Do you want to yeah. say what you're going to say first and then? I was going to say, because I came up with this back in college. We ran the previous campaign to this, and uh, it was crazy fun. 
still to this day, I look back at some of those sessions and I'm like, how did I even pull that off? Like, I am continually trying to be better than what I was. And it is hard. It is very difficult. But uh, I don't remember where I came up with it or when I came up with it. Let me tell you how you came up with it. I remember okay. nothing about previous D&D campaigns, but I remember this. Okay, so there was one night um, we were playing a game at Keith's, um, which is the game that Arin was born in. There was yep. a now session where we were breaking into, I believe, like a Thieves Guild type thing, fortressy no. thing. No, I know. I already know the session. It was Craddy. I know it which Craddy's one it was. It was Craddy's Labyrinth is basically where the inspiration yeah, in, came into from. Into the, the Labyrinth, Labyrinth by Craddy. Yeah. Uh, we were protecting the Dwarven King. A fight that oh, wow. Keith fully intended for us to not save the king with. Yep. But we did. But he played music during the fight. And Nick and I, I remember we were talking later. And Nick's like, that was really cool and like very evocative. And it made us kind of like, both of us felt like we were more in the story in that moment. So I think mm-hmm. that kind of just stuck with you and spiraled into its own little life. Apart yeah. from that one session. Yeah. I would say that that is definitely okay. Yep, that's that's that is where I came up with it. I just did not remember all those years of ADHD medication. <laughs> hey, it's why and, you got me. Um, and as for that, but, that just kind of that night just kind of came around because I stumbled across that song. Yeah, and, I'm and now like, he's one of my favorite artists. And I'm like, this matches like, like listening to the song. I'm envisioning the battle I've got planned for them. So, mm-hmm. well. I guess I'm going to put that in. Uh, one of my big sources of inspiration for it is, or for this has been um, obviously a lot of video games. Uh, it's a big thing, you know, playing different video games, but it's less of the traditional high fantasy type of video game where you've got your traditional Final Fantasy games. Um What's one that I recently played that's traditional? Uh, your Octopath Traveler, that mm-hmm. traditional high fantasy. And I tend to draw inspiration more from sci-fi or techno, that sort of thing. In case you guys couldn't tell by a lot of the fight music, <laughs> it's very heavy electronic. Um, dot Hack, the Dot Hack GU yeah. games were a huge totally. musical inspiration for me just because and- of they've got this weird etherealness to them. And I think aesthetically, um, yeah. too. Um, a lot of the especially. aesthetics of Dot Hack lend yeah. themselves, I think, to and the uh, the ideas, the themes, the concepts. You can kind of see some parallels within them. Cool. The entire idea of a soul song was actually borrowed from the uh, Dot Hack GU avatar. That was the inspiration for Interesting. that. Interesting. Oh, I didn't uh-huh. know, that. I know that. Huh. That makes yeah. sense. Like looking back, mm-hmm. obviously, but I love no, Dot I Hack. never would have guessed. But um, the uh, the one the phrase from that game, the third game, we will either find a way or make one, has stuck with me so much, and so I usually try to evoke that when I'm running a campaign for my players. Doesn't matter what the campaign is, I just want my players to feel like we will either find a way or make one, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> it's very fun to do. I should have learned awesome. to knock. <laughs> real talk knock is one of the best spells in D. my favorite thing about knock is how loud it is mm-hmm. i like i i would love to see just somebody use the volume of knock 
rather than the spell itself. Well, right? I'm going to write that down for my next character. Just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Because I have some like, ideas. <laughs> uh, so I put in my earplugs. And in this vast echoey chamber, I hit knock on the door over there. <laughs> I, uh, I wanted... Boom. The crystal golems I shatter. I use bombardier to amplify it. Oh, jeez. I want to be a one cleric. of those, like, zero sound rooms where you can hear your own heart beating and your yeah. blood pumping and stuff. And I want to be one of those. Yeah, I want to be too. a trickery cleric uh, at some point in D&D, oh, and go. that would be an excellent, Very excellent nice. little move. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, a final question from James. This one's a quick one. How is Pip? <laughs> Pip is doing fine. Yeah, Pip is fine. Don't he's worry fine. about Pip. I Don't. think we feed him. <laughs> we, we bought him a little treadmill. He gets Keith, his exercise. Keith, was it your turn or my turn? You know, I don't really remember. It's fine. It's I made fine. you a chart. Uh-oh. It's fine. Pip is fine. He's got rats down there. He and his treadmill there, desk yeah. is very nice. You're, it's, it is really thoughtful <laughs> yeah. that we work that into the budget, honestly. He's probably mm-hmm. good for a year or so. Like, just having that. As long as Pip doesn't learn what OSHA is, Pip is fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, has a good little Pip HR can't joke. <laughs> All right. Drawing questions from a new fan, a new listener. Ooh. Uh, this one, uh, multiple people actually asked this question, but uh, Charles asks for Sam. Oh, it's me. Where did you get the inspiration for Catmint? Oh, Catmint. Um, okay, so I usually always play characters who are like, too much and are annoying and usually small and uh do stupid shit and what i want i knew i kind of was gonna play that in this because my it's wife something, ladies and gentlemen yeah, well that's what i'm <laughs> at, like at heart um i knew i wanted to play that sort of character because that's what i'm most comfortable with and with this new audio medium i wanted something i could really like feel okay with being and not too challenging to myself but then i was like i i really wanted a character who was kind of the opposite of me in some ways, specifically in Catman's impulses to blame others, not want to take responsibility (laughs) for the things she does. I'm a very, like, guilt-ridden human. Like, I have a lot of anxieties about how I treat others and I try to be really accommodating. I just wanted to play a character who was, like, out for her, thought she was awesome, and had these, like, really high aspirations that she wanted to just get to at whatever cost and everyone else was standing in her way unless they could help her um after and even the then sometimes session still. yeah <laughs> after the first few sessions of recording we had uh like sam and i had to sit down with sam and she's like i feel so bad yeah. <laughs> it, it was Catman's yeah. so mean i'm like it's fine here's Character here's the growth exists <laughs> here's the thing though sam one of my uh, a very good friend of mine who listens to our show um, I was talking to them and they they were telling me, you know, at the beginning, Catmint kind of graded on me, but she very quickly became my favorite character. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it's, it, it is also an opportunity for me to practice character development, um, mm-hmm. which I'm, you know, with writing and everything, I try to really like have subtle character development. Um, I think Catmint kind of changed pretty quickly, but that's because it's kind of who she is. Mm-hmm. Um she's small and willing to change 
So I mean, yeah. she is a wild magic sorcerer. Right. Mm-hmm. She's got to be amenable to change. Mm-hmm. Anything can change <laughs> on a dime. I also wanted to play a dumb character um, because I like solving puzzles and stuff, and I wanted to play a character where that's kind of not an option for me, and I have to be a <laughs> little bit more creative in how I solve problems. All right. Um, this next question is from our listener, Sydney. She chose to ask, uh, not so related to the uh, campaign question first. What is everyone's go-to drink at a bar? Yes. (laughs) I, I'll go first. Okay. I thought you just did. (laughs) I, uh, will usually have some sort of white ale, uh, blonde ale, something of the Belgian variety. And if I'm not drinking beer... I'm gonna have probably a vodka cranberry because I'm yeah, you, basic. Yeah. Or or a vodka soda because what happened like in the Moscow mule limes. phase? It's too expensive. <laughs> vodka sodas are cheaper, and you can just dump a bunch of limes in it, and you don't. It's fine. That's, I mean, that's very peach? true. She's, yeah, she's not wrong. Yeah, vodka. It, vodka is my choice, I guess, <laughs> with yeah. various things in it. Um, if we're going with beer, I'd have to say. I'm an amber guy. They're pretty versatile, and I greatly prefer the flavors to a I lot of the that. IPAs that are out there now. That said, I don't hate IPAs. I like IPAs. I just prefer ambers. Um, but if we're going with anything, if we're not talking beer, uh, Irish whiskey. Yep, well, there's yep, Keith. Yep, that tracks. That's Keith. Connor? <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, back in college, I created this absolute sin of a drink. What? Um, it was blackberry brandy and Mountain Dew Voltage. What oh, the hell? Disgusting. It was oh, it awful. Was, it was great in college, but it was bad now. Yeah, uh, that's my go-to college. drink in a in a bar, though. Um, if I know that they know how to make it good, a brandy old fashioned sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, Wisconsin. Other otherwise whiskey sour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Solid. Oh, brandy old-fashioned. I'm a right. good brandy mm-hmm. old-fashioned. <laughs> I, uh, I personally ask, what do you have on nitro? Yeah. And when they do. say, we don't, or they say, Guinness, I say, I'll have a stout then. Mm-hmm. What if they say, what's nitro? We leave I the cry. brewery. <laughs> it's a if bad it's a brewery, brewery they're not going to say, what's nitro? We burn it down. Yes. I, I'm sure there's a couple of breweries where they might say, what's Nitro? Coors. New Glarus, yep. probably, actually. Oh. No, New Glarus. I don't, think they, I don't think they do they any Nitro. They know, but they just don't do Nitro. Yeah, ah. they don't do Nitro, but they know. <laughs> they know <laughs> <All> of <right>. Nitro. <laughs> they know this, Nitro. Uh, moving right along, this next question from Sydney is for Keith. All right. Do you prefer being the DM or the player? You know, it alternates. Um, sometimes I really get into that world building mindset and I just have to make something like that. And, uh, it's way more fun telling a story for people. The other times it's really fun to just kind of focus on one character really in depth and really flesh out one aspect of that side of yourself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it changes, uh, but overall, I 
think I prefer to be DM. Hmm. Interesting. I would not. Um, well, I guess I would have guessed that, but mo- mostly because I, <laughs> I really enjoy world building. But beyond that, uh, if I play a character for too long and they start to develop in a way that I don't like, and they kind of get away from me, it becomes more of a chore to play them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a and then as a DM, you can also play multiple characters. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's more control. So. Which is... And, and more variety. Yeah. Which I enjoy. Right. All right. This next question is from our listener, Phil. And it goes to Sam. Oh! He said, he asks, I want to know how you decided on being a small plant person. <laughs> I've never heard of that particular race. Yeah, so that's a homebrew. Um, it's one of Hello. the three homebrew classes that Nick made. We are all playing homebrew all classes. Playing homebrew in this I didn't make just three. I made like six. Yeah, but <laughs> they're the three ones that we are we have. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know why I chose it. Actually, um, I like playing small characters. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I, also, I, I feel like small plant creature. That is from like tropical area yeah. has maximum opportunities for being obnoxious. Oh mm-hmm. yeah! Oh, like yeah. that's so. That, yeah, that I, that was probably just like subconsciously appealing to me. Yeah. Um, I I know that I picked it though before I had the character concept, so I'm not really <laughs> sure at what point. Um, I kind of decided the personality plus the like um character race, but. I definitely spent a very long time looking up plant names, uh, trying to figure out which one I liked the best. And as soon as I saw Catmint, I'm like, oh, well, that's it. That's And then it was just locked in. I think I was probably between uh, Wilden and something else, but so the name I, really I, locked it in for me. Speaking of the name Catmint, I think I remember you in one of the very, very early episodes <laughs> describing a cat describing tail. Describing a cat oh, yeah. tail instead uh-huh. of a, instead of Catmint, which is just another name for catnip. That definitely happens. That definitely, I definitely say that. Um, I think it's <laughs> okay. because I was bouncing between the two. So I was bouncing between a. I liked the idea of her having like a cat tail on her head. Mm-hmm. Um, for a variety of reasons. Um, yeah. But I also liked the name Catmint. Um, so I know I was, like, looking at a bunch of Wikipedia pages for, like, alternate names for, like... Like, the, I I went deep one afternoon, yeah. Um, and I think I probably just confused myself and forgot what I actually landed on and just kind of combined the two, which I kind of like for her. Um <laughs> So your canon on what's on Catman's head is valid. Uh, yeah, <laughs> whatever uh, you want. Well, and not whatever. Don't welcome back to what's on Catman's head. Don't be gross. Name don't, that don't. plant. <laughs> Jeez. All right, we're gonna bounce to another listener really quick with their question. This one's from listener Mag. Um, they fielded it to all of us, but we're going to direct the first half of the question at Connor. Ooh. What are some challenges you face as a relatively small real play podcast? 
oh damn this got real i guess the the biggest challenge is knowing that there's people listening um and, and yeah this is gonna get a little real for a second uh it's it's weird like when you think of you know all the the, the bigger uh actual play D podcasts or really any podcast you always think of them as having a lot more um listener engagement than they they probably do in relation to their entire audience like we for the most part don't get a lot of um interaction with our fans through social media through email through whatever um partially because of our own fault yeah (laughs) partially because we're not great at we're not the best at uh at 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 running that that kind of stuff and and fostering good uh engagement um but also because you know we're we are a smaller podcast so it's hard to really get a feel for how many people are actually listening, how many people are actually enjoying it. It's it's one of the reasons why we always like bookend our episodes in this podcast and our, our sister podcast, Beard Games, with if you want to to reach out to us about anything, yeah. here's how you can do it. Because we do we really want to hear from you. And when we say we want feedback, we really mean it. We really want to know what we can be doing to be better. We really want to know what you guys like about the show, what you dislike about the show. We we want to hear it. Um and as a smaller podcast, you really don't get a whole lot of that. And to me, that's that's the biggest struggle of being a smaller show. Now, the risk you run when you run into being a large show mm-hmm. is you run into the fans that think they that they know how the show should be run. Yeah, yeah. or they, that they own the characters. Which is yep. something I really like about being small, is because like, I, I feel like a great deal of ownership toward our story and toward our characters. Right. Um, mm-hmm. That I think probably bigger scale productions lose a little bit, just because of the nature of what it is. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with either. Yeah. I just, I'm a control freak, so. That ties into the second half of the question that I'm going to field at you, Sam. Okay. Any tips for listeners who want to start their own? Just make it. Sit down with your friends and a microphone <laughs> and record something. The first couple are going to be bad. Yeah, the audio is going to be terrible, but our first ten are rough. It's going to be fine. You'll get into a ba- like a rhythm. You'll find a balance. It'll work. Um, and you know, like you don't want to invest in equipment or anything until you know yeah. that you enjoy doing it. Right. So just start and then make it better. Mm-hmm. Talk to other people too. You know, talk to people who do this. Networking is great. Uh, listen to all the shows you can. Oh my gosh! Like they say that you learn how to write by reading, and you learn how to make podcasts by listening to podcasts. It there's so many now, you guys. There's so many for different types of people, different interests. I listen to almost exclusively all female D and D podcasts, and there's enough that I am so not caught up in any of them. Like the fact that that exists <laughs> makes my little geek nerd heart, girl heart. I'm trying to say too many words at once. It makes me real happy. Obviously, I have a long way personally to go in learning about podcasting, as evidenced by my previous sentence. But like, <laughs> it's an open world. Do it. Live your creative dreams. You beautiful fools. That motivational? Actually, oh my, yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was good. L- live your creative dreams, you beautiful fools. I think we need to put that on a t-shirt. That sounds like yeah, merch. I like that. I like that. I actually might put that on my wall. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good quote. Right? Well, yep. I like it. I like it a Thanks, lot. Thanks, guys. I'm going to text it to my writing partner right now. I'm writing it down. 
Uh, and that brings us to, uh, that actually seg- segues us to uh, another question from Phil, uh, directed at me. What part of being a DM makes all the work worth it? Like those moments that think you, that make you think, damn, this is why I do this. Most of them. Um, what was that, Keith? Most of them. Most of them, yeah. Um, but if I had to pick like moments in particular, it's when I elicit a specific reaction that I was trying to get from like specific players. Um, for example, when I can get Connor into like a moment when he's like, this sounds weird. Connor, you play despair really well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You play it better than anybody else I've ever yeah. played D&D with. And so that's why sometimes I tend to throw a couple more, like, you know, troubles your way. Because I'm like, if anybody's going to be able to nail this, it's going to be Connor. And mm. when I want to do something scary or uh, spooky or something that you're not expecting, I, th- I always, I'm like, what would get Sam? Yeah, <laughs> I'm very Sam- spookable. <laughs> but also, yeah. Sam is a very good writer. Thank you. It is very hard to, you know, Sam can almost always predict what's Mm -hmm. about to happen. So when I'm able to throw in something that Sam's like, I didn't see that coming and now I'm terrified because of it. That's when I'm Mm -hmm. like, boom, got it. For Keith, it's when he goes, oh, I know the solution. Uh Because I know (laughs) Keith is like, he's always trying to figure out because... Playing with Keith as a player is a lot like playing chess because you're like, you have to plan seven moves ahead. You're like, he could do this, but he might do that. But he could also do this because he has made a character that can do any of these things. (laughs) So when I make something where Keith has to go, wait a second, I need to think about this for a second. That's when I know I've got him. And so... Uh those are the moments that I just really, really like is when I can connect with each of my players differently on a personal level within the narrative of the campaign. Good answer. Can I I also answer answer this one? Yeah, go for it, Keith. Uh, So I would have to say that my favorite part of being a DM is actually when the players throw me for a loop. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh. <clears throat> because I can sit down and write a story. But when the players surprise me and force me to improvise and throw out everything I'd planned for the next mm-hmm. seven sessions because they you decided like to Arin? throw out everything <laughs> and said, overthrow the country. Yep. <laughs> it's so much fun to have to think on the fly like that and uh, basically readjust the established setting and story to what these murder hobos are now doing. Can I answer it too? Yeah, I was really going to really say quick, that happens a lot in this campaign. That happens Mm. a lot in a lot of campaigns. Yeah. There's a lot that is not written. This is not scripted. There's a lot where I have to sit there and go, (laughs) I literally threw out, a bunch of notes when you guys made that decision to just oh, no. go kill the... I, well, they were all on my computer, so I just <laughs> deleted them, but still. Right. There were a bunch of things that it was just like, well, none of these make sense. All right, Sam? Oh, I'm... Okay, so I'm the opposite because I am by, like, nature more of a 
novel writer. Like, I, I hate DMing because I hate, I don't hate DMing, but I hate the part of DMing where I have to improv. So, like, the fact that you guys are like, I love when I have to do, I'm like, no, that's like my nightmare. My favorite thing to do is when I've disguised the plot twist so well that when I get to finally reveal that plot twist, I, like, floor everyone at the table. That is, like, the that's like the best experience of my life when i can pull off a genuine plot twist while we were recording this while we were still in minnesota sam was running a campaign Mm. for uh me and our friends there i cannot begin to tell you how many times i was like wait a second what well that's like the kind of story i like reading is ones where like 20 pages before the end you're like what what no you like throw it across the room like Mm -hmm. that's my favorite kind of story so i was trying to make those and when you can pull them off it is so satisfying Mm -hmm. i've i've got a quick thing related to this if you guys don't mind oh Mm -hmm. go for it um i'm very much in line with keith on loving about dming is when my players throw me for a loop you guys are um, weird. First, first, first. <laughs> I quick love thing, it too, but not as much as the other thing. Never in my 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 DMing career have I been thrown for as many loops as I have in the two one shots I have run for space kids. <laughs> I I don't know what yeah, you were expecting when you told us <laughs> to play bad people. I know, but every time I I can like I can show you guys my notes at some point, and it's like okay, here's what they might do, here's what they might do, here's what they might do, and just none of it. It's just and here's what they actually did. The they threw yeah. a fat goblin kid. <laughs> Throwing that goblin against the cage is still for one of my spo- finest moments. Spoiler alerts for the the Fourth of July special if you haven't listened to it yet. They're either going to side with Uncle Sam or they're going to side with the the, the big brain king. No, they're going to kill them both. And okay, them against all right. each other and try to like, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and then and take all of everything. the money. But, it was great. So, so that's the most I've had in mass. But Sam actually gave me my, my favorite moment of this. Really? Um, when I was running uh, a, a Monster Hunter themed campaign, mm. uh, Sam's character... Sam's Sam's character surprised Sam's character surprised me and I think surprised the entire party by deciding that her character was going to leave and join the bandits that they met. (laughs) And the reason it was my favorite was because like I I don't remember how I reacted in game to it, but I went home that night and I just like was staring at my notes like, how the fuck do I make this work? And And that moment for me, the how do I make this work? How do I like plan now for this new twist that got this new wrench that got mm-hmm. thrown into my world? That's what I love about DMing is like mm-hmm. building my world around these twists. When mm-hmm. I made that decision, I was shaking because I'm like, Connor's gonna murder me. <laughs> no, I loved it. <laughs> I was so nervous. It was so upsetting to my character. He was like, "We're best friends. Why are you doing?" It's this? like a full-on Doctor Who companion leaving moment. It like, pretty it was much a- was. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was fun. I loved that. Love mm-hmm. that character. Fun campaign. All right, getting to some more questions. Um, this one is from listener Allie, who asks Allie! all of us. Who is your D&D role model? Oh my god. Uh, We'll start with Connor. Oh no, I wanted more time to think. I can Um, go first. All right, Sam can go first. I have an answer prepared at all times because who's surprised that it's Laura fucking Bailey? Yeah, Okay, so here's the thing. I'm not talking about Laura's characters in Critical Role, although you know I love Jester very, very much. I am talking about the Ashes of Volcana 
campaign that Will Wheaton ran on Geek and Sundry where Laura played a pink-haired robot lady and I fell in love with her and it she it's because she pulls off the character type that I play where it's like spirited, naive, kind of an idiot, really wants to do well but doesn't always she embodies that and i think she's super funny and adorable and a great mom and wife and i just want to be her not in a weird way just like <laughs> and once i saw her in uh a shake shack or not shake shack in a uh where were we uh that was at gen con and mm-hmm. you saw her at a five steak. guys burger and or, it was no a, it was a steak, steak escape i saw steak her steak at escape a s- Steak and steak shake escape are only found in the malls. In and Wisconsin. she ordered a shake, and I was staring at her from across the restaurant, like, "Why do I recognize that woman?" And then she left, and I'm like, "Oh." So um, her and also I love Talison. I'm sorry, I really like Critical Role people. Big fan of Talison. Keith, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <gasps> That's okay. And here I thought it was going to be me. <laughs> I'll go old school and say, uh, actually, no, I have a new one. Um, I forget his name, uh, but <laughs> he does the animated spell book on YouTube. Ooh. Ooh. I know uh, you're talking about. The, the creative situations that he gets into and the solutions he comes up with when he discusses these things on his channel are amazing. Z-Bashu. Yes? No? Maybe. I I don't know his name. (laughs) Oh, okay. Animated Spellbook on YouTube. It's great. Awesome. I'm going to watch these. I haven't watched these. Connor. These are beautiful. Connor. um, For for a DM, from a DM's perspective, Matt Mercer. Um, I mean, he's the god. The way, yeah, the way that man yeah. can can use the game to tell a story and to create such powerful emotion, and you know, like being a voice, a very good voice actor, definitely helps with that. Yeah. He's like but the just, Jesus of D&D. Yeah, but just the way he can use the game to to weave that story is amazing to me. Um, mm-hmm. And from a player's perspective, Sam, I'm kind of with you on the uh, the all critical role. Um, Liam O'Brien, who's, oh, who's also on critical role. Of course, you like Liam. Uh, yes, he. Every character he plays, I am, like, enthralled with in terms of, like, the just the way he gets into the character, the way he, like, genuinely seems to be having fun with every character he plays, even when they're yeah. usually the saddest members of the party. Yeah. Connor, yeah. you and I should do mm-hmm. a, uh, a season two critical role cosplay with Jester <laughs> and uh, Sad Dad. I forgot his name. Caleb? Sad yeah, dad. that one. <laughs> sad Dad. I'd, I'd be down. I could uh, become a trash wizard. If I, if I can... <laughs> Use a actor for my inspiration for characters. Yeah. I'd say Alan Tudyk. Nice, that's awesome. Oh, okay. Yes, totally. He's like a D and D style actor. He's a actor, goddamn a chameleon. Say, he's wonderful. Alan Tudyk was my inspiration for uh, Duke, actually. Yeah, oh I my can god, see I that. want him to voice Duke. Oh my god. <laughs> so so Alan Tudyk is is voicing Duke in uh, Experience in Gold Animated. You heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> no! Alan Tudyk agent, oh you can get at us. An exclusive. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I don't know. He I'll... is prolific enough. He might. <laughs> mm-hmm. He went to Julia. Either that or we get Pat Warburton. Pat Warburton, Pat Warburton also plays. I, know, I like Pat. I like Pat, Pat Warburton, Warburton as one of the prestige. The, no, Pat Warburton plays no. uh, the Scarred Man. Uh, yeah, 
Pat Warburton is the scarred man. Alan Tudyk is Duke. Yep. Um, I would actually want Travis McElroy to be the voice of uh, Cassius. Okay, yeah. I could see it. I could okay. see it. Yeah. yeah, all right. Can we just get all the McElroy brothers to do the trio of bad the, dudes? The McElroy <laughs> brothers will be an experience in gold. Oh, oh my God. God. No. They won't. <laughs> they won't. But uh, speaking of the McElroy brothers, going to my answer yeah. for that question, um, as a DM, it is split, obviously, between Matt Mercer because... Good lord. He is the Jesus of the Trinity of D&D. And uh, Griffin McElroy. The Holy Spirit um, of the Trinity of D&D. <laughs> yeah. Griffin McElroy. Is God, the father. Is like, I didn't know that these guys existed until Sam just started listening to them. I don't even know how you found the John brothers. and Hank That makes sense. And, um, but she started listening to it and she's like, you got, you would think these guys are really funny because, you know, it's you and you have two younger brothers. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a listen. And I'm like, I hate this because this is everything I've ever wanted my brothers and me to do. Mm-hmm. Your brothers, no your fair. brothers, and you. Yeah, my yeah. brother, my brother, and me. And um, then she's like, they're also doing D and D, and I'm horrible at listening to podcasts. I hardly listen to podcasts just because I have zero attention span, and it's yeah. very difficult for me to focus on them. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. But I'm trying to get better at it. But from what I've listened to, and I've gotten a decent way into Adventure mm-hmm. Zone, the balance that he creates, which is funny because they call it that. <laughs> uh, the balance he creates between seriousness and fun is something that I consistently strive for. Yeah. It is unbelievable how he can even on a dime take mm-hmm. a moment that is like super serious or super funny and flip it on an end. Mm-hmm. And it and he just rolls with his brother's punches continually, and it is <sighs> fantastic. Stretched. Yeah. So I love that. That is that is my answer for that. Um, this last question is asked by a lot of people, and I'm gonna field it to all three of you. We'll start with Keith on this one. What is your favorite moment of the campaign so far? <sighs> Falling off the waterfall. Yeah, that's so good. Um, Just, I, I don't even need to elaborate. Nope, it was good. Uh, and then the the meeting after, yep. That's, yep. That's all. Connor or Sam? I have no idea. Uh, I, um, hold on. <laughs> I've, I've got I've got it. Uh, so, up until recently, it would have been soup. Okay. Like the entirety of the soup arc, but recently I've been thinking and the the Baba Naga's hut. Really? Um was such a, a, a good moment of, of characterization for, for all three of our characters really. Mm-hmm. And uh I feel like it kind of that's a moment where it kind of I felt af- after listening back to the podcast, kind of, we kind of united as a, a party fully. Yeah. Like we were we were driven towards the same goal at soup. Um but after Baba Naga's hut, it felt like we were all in it together. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. We're all in this together. <laughs> I could do that whole dance. No. <laughs> Please don't. <clears throat> I still know it. The audience just... can't see it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm just telling you all. But um, I could. I think my favorite, like, my favorite Catmint moment is the aftermath of Soup because that's when she really like realized um 
I think how she had to take other people more seriously and be more respectful and the value of life. Um, that was one of the hardest things to play because Catman doesn't really understand death that much. And then it was all around her. And um, it was people that she saw as being people like her. Uh, it was the first time when she was like, hey, these people who aren't Wilden are like me. Um, but my personal, just Sam, I had the most fun playing, was all of the puzzles in the office dungeon. I just love puzzles. I will be in a puzzle dungeon for years. <laughs> I will be happy yeah. with that. Um, that was really I just, fun. Yeah, I just enjoyed playing that. And I liked being a bunch of different stupid animals. Uh, <laughs> I think I really like... That probably has no sign the, of stopping soon. The <laughs> the most amusing Catmint moment to me mm. is Himmel. Oh, that when was she so walks, good. When she walks him off the airship. Yeah. Oh Himmel 2.0, though. That was oh. another point where I'm like, because not only was I lost as a player, but like Catman didn't know what to do. And usually when I'm lost <laughs> as a player, I just have to be like, okay, what is Catman going to do? Because Catman's pretty easy to predict. She didn't know either. So my girlfriend, <laughs> where are we now? Like, <laughs> I, I want Captain Himmel to be our Captain Ginyu. I don't know what that is. Nick, Nick gets it. I get it. He's so dead, though. <laughs> I agree. He's so very Nothing dead. exists of him anymore. <laughs> I cannot bring him back. Angry ghost of Captain Himmel. <gasps> oh, man. You guys Son know. of Himmel. It doesn't exist. It's Son of Himmel. Yeah. <laughs> you that. thought you were rid of me? Boo. <laughs> you saw that I was gone? No, it is me as a ghost. Imprint out of it. Oh, I can't do it. Boo. Imprint out of the parted soul. I can't do that accent. I wish I could. It was just, man. I just, I took, I just, I I took a gamble with that voice. I was just like German, but also awkwardly sexual. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) It's the, it's the, it's the squeaks. It's the lilts. Yeah. It's the lilts and the squeaks in his voice. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah there you go like yeah no like yeah. that was the goal with it was i wanted to push that envelope of uncomfortable with that character and it was well, very fun all right he made me uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> but all i right. still wore his coat for the longest time I you about did that. yep over his poncho yes I just... and under a cloak mm-hmm. <laughs> let's keep going mm-hmm. in the questions <laughs> the questions yes all right so now we're getting to a couple questions that you guys asked each other. <gasps> Yay! <gasps> I am going to. I love all my questions. I want to ask all of them. With Keith's questions. Well, I, I have a quick question for Sam. Mm. Oh. Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think it has relation to do with Catmint, I assume? Yes. (laughs) Just why Catmint? Why? Um, We've talked about this. Partly now, because I know she annoys you. (laughs) (laughs) And I never had older siblings, and you're the closest thing to an older brother I'm ever going to have. And I just want to annoy you. That makes sense. Um, why so, pariah, you sticky old bastard, you know? Like, oh come gosh. on, y'all. Because I'm All grumpy. Right. So, Keith's first question uh, is actually fielded to the character, Catman. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> oh. 
It's not super serious, don't Girl's worry. under fire today. How long would it take for the cat mint on your head to grow back naturally if you lost it? Does it have any status beyond your own assigned one? That's a very interesting question. The this answer- calls to mind the moment when she lost her cat mint and went bald. And they went cat mint and she said, no more. <laughs> And that, to me, is one of my favorite moments in this campaign. I just I want to say it's not that. my favorite moment, but it is one of the best moments. It's an existential crisis summed up it in a single amazing. sentence. Um, no I don't know how long it would take to grow back. I assume however long it would take for an actual catman to grow. I do not know all of my botany facts. Uh, I don't think there's any magic. However... There might be, because I'm not running this campaign. And also, she definitely thinks that she is anything that grows on her head. That's her name. So if something else started growing on her head, her name would be whatever that is. So Okay. So this next question specifically directed directly at Catman. Oh my god. Is the spell Barkskin cultural appropriation? No, because nobody knew they existed and the spell was made before everyone knew about Wilden, and now it's just kind of a celebration of, hey, look, I'm like those cool new people in town. There you have it. Okay, that makes sense. And this last question from Keith is to Sam, or not last question, but last to Sam. Oh, I was like, Keith uh, only asked me questions. (laughs) No, 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 no. This is is your side. (laughs) Yeah. Does Catman perceive herself as more similar to Pariah or more similar to Malachi? Interesting. That, I've never thought of this. Um, I think Pariah. I think she really feels a kinship that she can't really explain. Um, yeah, definitely. I think she, like, adores Malachi and, like, he's very, very important to her. But she doesn't, um, she connects a lot, I think, with Pariah's individuality. Um, and the fact that he is kind of a loner and she, you know, she's already been, uh, always been surrounded by people, but I think she, um, has always kind of felt like she's fighting for herself, um, by choice. So I think she recognizes that in Pariah and, um, thinks that Malachi's kindness is not a weakness, but something she probably couldn't achieve in herself. Hmm. Like, Malachi has a, a gift for connecting with people and um, a, kind of more softness than I think um, Catman sees herself as having. Not necessarily saying that's true, but I think that's probably what she yeah. sees. Speaking okay. of Malachi, this question is from Keith to Malachi. Okay. How have you come to grips with your eternal youth? Hell Yeah. Um, I don't think Malachi truly has. Denial. Um, (laughs) Honestly, yeah, a lot of it is denial. I think, um, when I first created Malachi, one of the things, because I knew Nick's, uh, whole thing of, you know, when, when the heroes complete their, their task, they become immortal. Um, I think when I, when I first created Malachi and when I was first, like, coming up with the idea of his personality and everything, um, 
knowing that, I knew that Malachi would not want to be immortal um, in that way when when it started out. Um, Malachi's lived longer than any human should at this point. Mm. He's outlived his he's outlived his parents. He's probably outlived his younger brother. Um, he didn't have a family really outside of the Rostovians until he met you guys. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of what Malachi was doing, and it never really came up at that point when it was was prevalent. But I always envisioned Malachi as wanting to be a hero so he could die. Mm, interesting. Like in like in combat, so he could you know like mm-hmm. have that that uh... warrior's death kind of thing, but still be seen as a heroic figure. I love that. Um, I had a whole like idea prepared of if the opportunity ever came up earlier in the campaign, Malachi <laughs> would have sacrificed himself. Yeah. Um, you certainly came close in uh, Manchalkovich's head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he tried to again, e- even like now that he's, you know, not, he's past that, even in episode 49, he tried to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because at, at the end of the day, I think like Malachi doesn't want to be immortal and he didn't yeah. start off as, you know, being accepting of his immortality. But now, now I think Malachi sees the importance of him being around mm-hmm. um so he's more at terms with it now he still doesn't want to live forever at some point he wants to pass on mm-hmm. um but he's okay with the idea of sticking around for a long time yeah all right cool second question for malachi why were you inspired by the heroes of the fourth era more so than heroes of previous eras for example you could have emulated or, like, why did you choose to emulate, you know, the Rostovian Knight? Why did you go that direction? Why do you write things down like Terra always did? Um, why not master all the magic like Mandelbrot or start a town like Reese? Uh, something that, that came up um, very briefly. Malachi was from a small town. Um, and he grew up in the tavern, basically listening to stories of the heroes. And for 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 very meta reasons because uh those heroes were the only the four fair heroes were the that was the campaign that i played in i didn't play with your guys's version of the the third heroes or the the second heroes there, or anything like there that. there was yeah. no first second or third oh those those were invented with the fourth we might yeah. play it at some point that'd be fun yeah that would be fun do I'd, we really want to learn how to play second edition no we would yes. just fake oh oh okay you um, get no. you get less good scores for being a Besides, woman. <laughs> it's true. So, <laughs> oh, that is true. <laughs> and um, plus, I'm not letting anybody play Reese. Oh no. Or Pent, or Sarah, or Mandelbrot, or his friends. Let's keep going. We'll just write books about it. It's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Malachi uh, grew up in this small town, listening to like passing storytellers stop in the tavern and tell stories about. I think because it was the most recent, Malachi was a kid not long after the Fourth Era Heroes Adventures. Um, right. So they were the most recent, so they were the most told at that point. Um, he fell in love with those stories and from a young age always wanted to be a storyteller. Um, the reason he writes everything down is because he, he has a passion for history. And now that he's, you know, started to experience adventures and sees, hey, it's not all the good stuff that the bards sing about or uh that the storytellers sing about because only one bard exists in this one so i can't use that damn uh-huh. expression um uh-huh. uh 
it's not all the good stuff that the storytellers talk about. It, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of of uh, of anger. There's a lot of confusion. Um, Malachi wants there to be an accurate portrayal of our adventures. So, in part, no one ends up like he was when he was a kid, where he had this like incredibly fanciful idea of what the heroes were, and sort of romanticized the idea of like combat and being this larger than life figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith's last question directed at Connor. Why swords? Why not swords? And there you have it, folks. That's but good. But spears. And guns. <laughs> but spears. Jeez. Because I, I like so. the idea of being a big, like, bashy sword guy. <laughs> I play mostly dex characters in, like, everything else, so I wanted to, to try my hand at being a strength smash boy. Okay. So Connor has a couple questions. This yes. one is for Sam and Keith. Yeah. If you could transplant your character to any fictional world, where do you oh. think they would be the most at home? God. Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> the answer for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you gotta give me a sec on this one. <clears throat> um, Excuse me. Oh my God, I just had the funniest thought. Gossip Girl? <laughs> okay. Can I make Catman a high society mm-hmm. New York socialite um, mm-hmm. amongst the glitz and glamour of the mid-2000s? Because she would love that. That sounds great. <laughs> uh, this next one from Connor. Sam, what songs or bands do you associate with Catmint? Mm. If you already have a character-specific playlist, what's on it? Yeah, I do actually. Um, I want to expand on my playlist. Count on that. <laughs> haven't done. I always make playlists. I make playlists for every character idea I have, every novel idea I have. I have so many of them. Same. Um, it's really important um, to me. Usually, I'm pulling up my uh, cabinet playlist. I need to update it, but uh, I have a couple songs from Moana. Um, the whole <laughs> staring at the edge of the water is so cabinet. Um, mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. You know, I'll just read some of my favorites off this list. Um, I have Mountain Sound from uh, of Monsters and Men, which is one of my favorite songs uh, that reminds me of D&D, um, along with Lionheart by them, which is not actually on this playlist. But those both really like feel to me like this adventurous, we have a crew of people and we're kind of broken, but we're going to go try to do our best. Um, I have Creedence Clearwater Revival's Up Around the Bend, which I think is a beautifully Catmint song. Um, I like the kind of folksy thing, which would not be immediately what I would associate with her, but I think it fits. Um, I have Careful What You Pack by They Might Be Giants, Um, especially the lyric um, where she thinks she's smart, she's just curious. Like, yep. So... I have House of Gold by 21 Pilots uh, to kind of evoke the idea of her family and the way that she still feels indebted to them. She always is thinking of them in a lot of the choices she makes. Um, I have another one of my favorite D&D songs, which is The Sun by um, Pavrov Stellar. And it says, um, the lyric is, I'm going to tell my mama that I'm a traveler. I'm going to follow the sun. Uh, lots of cool techno kind of um, 
electro swing in the song as well, and I would recommend it for you guys. I think you would like it a lot. Mm. I've got the lovely Riptide by Vance Joy, which was overplayed on the radio, but I still like it. Let me tell you why. It reminds me of this campaign, because... What? Y'all are making faces. This, this is your last song. <laughs> this is your okay. last song. You're going on. <laughs> I'm, I'm cutting sorry, you I have off. so many. I, have, I put a I, spell I know on you. you have so no, many. it's That's okay. I'm cutting you off. Okay, so in Riptide, one of the lyrics is... um. Oh, my phone is playing music. This is not what I wanted. Um, it's, it's, now I feel like put on the spot. It's, um, this guy decides to quit his job and head to New York City. This cowboy's running from himself and she's been living on the highest shelf, which is just all of our characters. Yeah, holy shit. Um, (laughs) so that's a song that I've always really liked for the whole campaign i'm sorry you can't get me talking about character playlists i will not shut up <laughs> yeah i'm sorry that, on was, Spotify. that was a mistake i'm sorry i was curious this one goes to keith from connor is there anything that so far you wish you'd done differently with your character um i mean mechanics wise i actually I flip-flopped a little bit on being a, an arcane trickster, in part because we've got so many magic users already. True. Uh, and then... There's three people that can cast mirror image. Yep. <laughs> and then character development-wise, uh, it's, it's still difficult for him to uh, be expressive. And I catch myself playing him slipping back, but I think that that's still kind of appropriate for him. So, okay, you know, it's it's like I would like to implement more of it, but it's also kind of getting out of my own personal hands. And he's just, you know, when he when he gets uncomfortable with the situation, he reverts more back into the grumpy cowboy, but. Yeah, I like the grumpy cowboy. A little bit of a spoiler for things to come. <gasps> things are going to get real intense with Pariah down the road. Dun, oh, there's dun, so dun. much. <laughs> I've been playing the late game with some of Keith's, with some of Pariah's backstory. Yeah, and that's all I'll say. It lends <clears throat> itself to it. Now, Connor. Yes. You also asked everybody. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite D&D character that you've built, but never gotten to really play? Because I, I know you guys gotta have... Everybody has at least one. My number one oh, is Arin's son. I've done that campaign. Elwood. Mm-hmm. He would have been... Uh, you should talk about his weapon thing. That's my favorite. Oh, his giant blade on his back that yeah. was... Yeah, he he had a massive blade on his back because oh my god, this was it was fourth edition fuckery is what it was. <laughs> yeah. Um as a level two character, I was able to perform around seven, eight, or nine actions in a single turn. Yeah. Jesus. Because I based the he character around it. no actions and free actions. So he was a rogue monk hybrid with a splash of warlock 
So that was his packed blade. And Keith and I homebrewed an ability, or a feat, which was he could pick up items as a free action. Like, you could pick up, uh, like, an item from a corpse. Mm-hmm. And so, because he was trained in literally everything, mm-hmm. because of all the multi-classing that he had. And so, he had this massive blade strapped to his back, but he never used it. Because he chose instead to just punch things. Or pick up <laughs> weapons from dead enemies and use those. Mm-hmm. And 4th so edition was, was a time. Yeah, 4th edition yeah. was a time. A lot of people hate it, and I completely understand why. It's an MMO. I like but it. people don't... Yeah, it's an MMO. <coughs> Excuse me. It was a lot more malleable than people thought. Mm. Yeah. Like, people are like, you can't really homebrew anything. I'm like, it was easier to homebrew things because everything was so rigid. Mm-hmm. I have two favorites. I'll describe them really quick. One was uh, actually in the same campaign that Nick is describing. I was playing a very shy, witchy librarian, uh, (laughs) which I loved. And, like, I would love to get back to that, like, kind of an emo-looking girl who worked in a library and had this giant crush on Nick's character. But, like, she couldn't talk about it because she was so awkward and shy. Like, And he was oblivious, of course. (laughs) Um, And a character that... Nick and I have actually talked about, we've never gotten to play them yet, is two elderly gnome druids who are married, <laughs> and they bicker all the time and have Brooklyn accents. Uh, Brooklyn it's... accents? Brooklyn druids? Mm-hmm. They like sit on old their Italian porch. couple. Yeah, they sit on their front porch okay. and argue about salami. Like... <laughs> <laughs> are they arguing about, like are they arguing about like with each other or are they just arguing about the sal- nobody knows they're just know. arguing and they- salami is definitely a word you've picked up so that's those are two characters and i'm I, it's i feel very stupid that both of them are like in relationships with Nick's characters but we've never gotten to play a character with that sort yeah. of dynamic so i think someday i would like to but i really want that old bickering couple Keith? Uh, for me, I have two as well. Uh, one is a character I am playing in a D&D campaign that uh, Sam is running that mm. we occasionally get to run, that we occasionally get to play. Um, she is a tiefling cleric mm-hmm. who is very sheltered, like could not handle the sight of a body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh and kind of like a shy smartass. I love her. She's so fun to play people against. She's so and, fun. Yep. And I just love playing it. It's great fun. Uh, the other one that I want to play. play <laughs> yeah. The other one that I really want to play is inspired by a friend of mine, Leo. Um, he made a barbarian monk hybrid. Oh, my God. Oh God! Whose whose entire idea was? Ha ha! I'll beat it. I'm gonna punch it with my fists. Oh my gosh! <laughs> the best way to do it. And he he had like key points and everything, but he never used them <laughs> because it was, was too much barbarian. like magic. <laughs> and magic was evil. Oh my god! <laughs> I love that. I love that the entire idea of crippling your own character, mm-hmm. and like I am always so fond of that. Actually, I'm I'm gonna share really quick. I'm running a, another campaign right now for uh, my brothers. Huh. They finally agreed, and yeah. uh, my friend Jared is playing a Brightlock. Uh, 
divine pact warlock. Okay. And or celestial pact, sorry. It's divine soul sorcerer, celestial pact warlock. Um who is blind but gained his sight through his patron who <laughs> is a unicorn. He is a dwarf. <laughs> now, he plays a lawful good character, and if he ever starts doing bad things, he starts losing his sight. So he has to be, like, pious and good and kind all the time. And he is currently blind because he was gone for a session, and while he was gone, the group decided to go help out the equivalent of the mafia. Yeah. That's yeah, good. Right. And he comes back, and they're like, we're helping out the mafia, and he went, we're what now? And now he's blind. <laughs> it's exciting. That's Connor, good. I'm gonna yeah. throw your own question at you. Yeah, What's a you character that you've never gotten to uh, really play? I also have two. Um, the first one, it's less so, because I did get to play him for a, a decent amount of time, but the campaign never finished, and I still miss him to this day. I'll occasionally stumble upon his character sheet and be like, man... I want to go back like to I that. Which one this is? Uh, it was my my human wild mage, uh, Renton from one of the campaigns Nick ran. Uh, the Aww. way I the way I styled him was that he was a uh, the result of a an arcane experiment by a, a mad wizard, and the way that his like uh, wild magic embodied it looked like arcane. You know, like, lightning scars when people get struck by lightning and it just kind of, like, branches yeah. out all along their body? He had those all up and down his arms. Oh, um, cool. And he was just a... You had, like, metal bolts in them, too, right? Yeah. 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 He he was not a happy boy to start, to start out, but he had a, a very good, like, arc. Um, a very good character arc that I really liked, and he was a very fun character to play. I got to to turn somebody into a T Rex once. Um, <laughs> yeah, we went back in time, and one of our one of our party members literally fucked everything up. Um, yeah, almost fucked everything up. Yeah, uh, and literally. I'm looking I, I, at you, Bryce. <laughs> I mean literally. that in the best way because it was hilarious. Um, I got so angry about that. My character did. I got his, he got so angry that he turned into a sheep. Um, well, you you uh, you Been wild there. surge multiple times. You mm -hmm. turned into a sheep, and then you exploded in a thing of blue feathers, mm -hmm. and then turned into a sheep. Yep, which Been is there. the best. Feel that. You know, he actually Bryce actually uh, messaged me about that the other day. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, you remember when Connor turned into a sheep <laughs> and had blue feathers?" I was like. Okay, yes, I remember it, Bryce. <laughs> um, but then the there's a character who I never really got to play. I, I played them only once. Um, it was a 4th edition character. It was in a campaign that Sam was going to run for a, a bunch of us. Um, I forgot yeah. about that. Nick, I you got... weren't there. No, I was. Keith and... No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Keith oh, and Connor were both there. Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Oh, this it's is the first one that time when I was I ever in my DM'd. internship. Oh. It's the first time I ever DM'd and I was freaking terrified. It was it was Raspberry the Pixie Sword Mage. Yeah. Um he was a in air quotes big game hunter. Uh because everything was big game to him. Um <laughs> the the only session that I ever played with him, he broke into a hat shop, stole a bunch of hats for the party, and got a old tired basset hound for a mount. Um, I have no memory of any of this. <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't even remember what character I was playing. 
You were playing a uh, something with runes. Something with oh, runes. one of the rune mages. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez, bold was, choice key. It was yeah. very fun. I loved Raspberry so much. I got character art commissioned of <laughs> oh my him, gosh. and I still have, like, have it on my phone hair? to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, his oh. hair was like a you know like a wild raspberry. How yeah. it's like kind of like reddish purple. Mm-hmm. It, I, love I, I I styled his hair after that. We should bring him back. Uh, I'm I here would love for to. it. I would love to. Alrighty. Sam's questions. I have great questions. Do you want to ask the ones for everybody at the end? Sure. This one is for Keith. Okay. Out of all the player characters, Pariah is the most cinematic. Tell us what a film or video game focused solely on Pariah would look like, and what song plays in the trailers. Um... Red Dead Redemption? (laughs) <laughs> I mean it's, that was definitely the, the name of it is Pariah. No, the oh. name of the name of it is Pariah. And I think that the cinematic like feel for it is it's his wanderings. Mm-hmm. Cuz you know, he's almost as old as Malachi. Mm-hmm. And he's spent most of that just kind of wandering the world, going from place to place, um killing people when they were bad. Helping people when he felt like they needed it. Uh, And so basically it would be like a high fantasy-ish, high fantasy steampunk version Mm. of like the man with no name. Oh, I love Mm -hmm. that. Okay. Or Fistful of Dollars, that kind of, that trilogy. I love Uh, Fistful of Dollars. Fantasy Clint Eastwood. Yeah. I mean, I already styled him after Mm -hmm. Clint Mm -hmm. Eastwood. Westerns. I, I actually styled him after the man with no name. Mm. Right. Um, I knew that. Complete with the, the poncho and everything. Yep. Uh, and I think that there's either... There's a couple songs that could play in the trailer. Um, either uh, Falling Water by Peter Oren. Mm-hmm. It's a very Americana song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would work. Uh, that or something like... Um, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. I was going to say uh, Ain't No Grave by Johnny Cash. Yes. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Love that. Yeah. There you I have that's, that Yep, song, that's the one, Keith. That one so right well. there. <laughs> Uh, that's the song that I have on my playlist for uh, the waterfall scene. Oh, hell yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. It's so nice. All right. This next question from Sam is for Connor. Malachi is influenced by many relationships. His fellow Rostovian knights, his mm-hmm. long dead family, Yoel, Yoel's people, Jack, Lucian, and of course his fellow heroes. Which of these identities are most important to him? And what might he want to pursue more than he already is? Are there any wishes, are there any of them that he wishes didn't have influence over him? Ooh, boy. I made um, book club <laughs> questions. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Uh, I think the, the most important relationship he has is with Yol. Um Yeah. From the moment that he woke up in the care of a Rostovian grandmaster 
and was told, hey, you can't walk anymore, but you've got this weird living shadow thing. Um, they've, they've literally been inseparable, and they've become family. Um, until, he, like I, I mentioned earlier, until he met you guys, uh, he didn't have anyone but Yol. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely his most, the, the most important relationship for Malachi is with Yol. Um, I think he wishes he had gone to, we went to, to his hometown once, um, mm-hmm. and it, it was sort of brought up Malachi didn't want to go in. Um, he didn't want to be back there. Uh, I think he wishes that he would have gone back to see his family. Yeah. Because Malachi ran away when he was 16 um, and never went back. I'm sure he probably, like, had found out that his parents had died, mm-hmm. um, but still never went back. And the first time that he actually was in Willow again was, was with you guys. Uh, it, it, they don't have much of an influence on him anymore, just because it's been, it's been so long. Um Malachi both loves and loathes the fact that he has a patron mm-hmm. and that it's Jack. Because Malachi, Malachi knows the stories of Jack. Malachi knows that Jack um, worked like with the heroes, then betrayed the heroes, but then was kind of a good guy at the end almost. Um, so he knows he, he has to be useful to Jack in order to, to keep his powers, basically. Um, but he doesn't fully trust Jack. And... He Nor kinda, should he. Yeah, and uh, he kind of wishes that he he didn't have to be uh, with Jack to have his cool lightning powers. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nick, could I ask the next three? Because it is directed at you as well. Sure. Would that be okay? All right, so yeah. I have a question for Nick and Connor. Um, could you guys describe the process of developing the Yule character? How much uh, was each of you... How much that doesn't make sense. Um, and how did generally that collaborative character creation look for that? So I'll I'll start off a little bit here. <laughs> um, it was on the way home from Gen Con, mm-hmm. and we were coming up with different ideas for a homebrew races. And I had mentioned off the cuff, just I was like, you know, what if we made one that had a living shadow? And Connor went. That's amazing! I almost crashed the car because I like turned the wheel very hard at that yes. point. Yes, and so from then on, we like we pretty much we hammered out all the stats, like yeah. what they really? would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much every you were there in the car. Yeah, I don't remember that. I wasn't paying attention <laughs> to you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was like that's pretty much when it happened. Um, of creating Shadowbound as a concept, I. Yeah for the campaign kind of created a couple more thematic things such as the non-aging because I wanted to work in the idea of there's babies, there's elderly people that are never going to age. They'll never die. And they're sitting there with like liver spots and brittle bones. And they're just like, please kill me, but they can't. Well, unless uh, somebody killed them. But as, um, as soon as you brought up the no aging thing, I knew I wanted to play like a kid. Or a, mm-hmm. a teenager, or somebody who should not not be able to age. Right. What a terrible time to be stuck in. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, ah, oh, zits every single day. And all those hormones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always feeling weird um, about yourself. 
As far as creating the character of Yowl, I I basically let you go go ham. I gave you a lot right. of I I trusted you to make the right choices with Yowl's personality. Cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. He he gave me a lot of creative freedom and you guys and like you as the listeners can kind of tell um from the beginning to where we are now that she's changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um in, in different ways. She started out being a little naive, um, very much has her guard up all the time. And as things have gone, she's become a little bolder, but hasn't lost that naivety, but is still has kind of full molded it into more curiousness. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an element of fear that I've put into her. She's constantly afraid of herself. Knowing what she is. Shadow. Yes. Um, a big a big thing there. Um, and that's something that I've kind of tried to work into how I voice her, how I uh play her character. Um and the questions she asks. A lot of the times the questions she asks are uh asks is such an awful word. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Same thing with mass. Any SKS what anyway. The questions um, she poses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the questions she poses. That's still bad. Just complete the sentence. These questions are more along the lines of wondering about them because is there a way that they could hurt her or she could hurt them accidentally? Like, she does not want there to be hurt, Yeah, basically, because she's seen so much of it being around Malachi for so long. It's it's kind of funny when we first started building Malik. Like I I gave you what I basically wanted for my character. I wanted him to be a runaway. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to be a Rostovian, and all that. And you asked me, you were like, "Do you want to pilot Yol or do you want me to do it?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I think it's more fun, and it would be more fun to play off of if you were doing it." And I am I am so glad I said that because that was definitely the right choice. Oh, I I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, next for Nick. Um, I personally adore the balances between magic and science, as well as fate and impulse that this campaign has found. Could you talk about the ways these influence the plot and when you feel inclined as a DM to let one win out over the other in the end? Some examples I pulled are uh, Arin being magically trapped by a mechanical being, Yol essentially being magical prosthetics, the tragedy of Soup as a fated event, uh, ley lines being moved to prompt our characters, formation, etc. So I didn't notice that this motif was something that I had been working in until you had said something. (laughs) Good job! And based on where the campaign is going to be going forward, it is still there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so the ways that they influence the plot, I usually just kind of go with my gut. Yeah. Um, I like to think that I have a knack for storytelling and, uh, setting a scene and things like that. Um, as we all know, my, my biggest weakness is describing a scene specifically, um, (laughs) and giving, giving you details and things like that. But Lord knows I have come a very long way. Um, but... Yeah, I I just kind of go with my gut. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I'll do that. Interesting. Um, well, yeah, my my uh, my writing process is. It would make some uh, authors just you know, very upset. It makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's good to know that I naturally do these things without intending it, though. Yeah, That's no, it's, it's a really nice... About that. It's really nice. Um, I have one more question for you. I would like you to tell us the biggest things we missed out on because we were being stupid. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, there's a couple really big things, but I can't say because oh. they are still at play. Oh. Hmm. Well, tell us when it's we do this more again. That, it's more that things that you didn't do, things that you missed out on, set certain events in motion. Oh, um, that's ominous. This uh, this brings up something that, this reminds me of something, rather, that uh, I, I wanted to ask Nick. Mm. Okay. Uh, just what would have happened if we had gone into the trap door when we first discovered it? <laughs> it would have been um actually you guys would have found it uh bustling with crescendo and um there would have would been have some gm there would have been some gm fiat yeah uh yeah. the character of tambor would have been introduced far sooner than i would have wanted her to sure um because she's introduced after that mhm and is she? Yeah, she is. She's yeah. introduced. Yeah, she was she introduced is. at the bridge. At the bridge. Mm-hmm. at the bridge, right. The big bridge. Um, And so it would have been, but you guys would have known, you know, when when the when that was dropped, when Arin says, you know, oh, I found where it is, you guys all would have been like, yeah, we know where to go. We know where they're at. Yeah. Oh, we know. We're and well so aware. Instead of it we being, saw their break room. Right. Instead of it being this moment where everybody goes what right instead it would have been a moment of like we revenge and they're like all yeah. right let's go and yeah. so either way it would have been it the payoff still would have been yeah. there totally mm-hmm. cool i i have two fun questions for everybody if you want to read those nick well not for me yeah. i guess you guys should all answer though well, and nick I you should pick answer. you should pick your favorite npc for the uh, second one okay uh, imagine, Sam asks, imagine you are all abducted by aliens never to return to Earth in your last moments before leaving the planet. You are able to send one message to the person who will be your replacement on experiencing gold. They will take over playing your character slash running the game, and they have to say yes. Who do you pick? Matt Mercer, he already voices another character <laughs> inspired by Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. I thought you and were just, just going to say like straight up Clint Eastwood. <laughs> no, uh, I I would and the message I would leave him would just be have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jared Jared Knabenbauer or Pro Jared. He's uh, um, okay. Yep. He 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 does dice camera action with Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The message mm-hmm. I would leave him is. Just as sad as your other characters. Go nuts. <laughs> um. Ooh, can I change my message? Yes. It's high noon. Yeah. Jesus. There, there you go. <laughs> and well, he looks at it, he's like, all right, fine. <laughs> Good news is he has to say yes. Yeah. So he... yeah. Fun fact, McCree has three birthdays within Overwatch lore because it's oh so God. convoluted and bad. Oh, my God. Jesus. That's awesome. Nick, who do you um, want to run this game? Um, oh, who would I pick? 
I have my gut tells me my gut tells me to go with the people I listed as my role models, but that's not fun. Mm -hmm. You should probably pick Chris Perkins if you're being like logical, but right. But if you want to have fun with it, pick your brother. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine your brother DMing for two professional D&D players. It would literally be Dungeons and Dragons and Bitches by (laughs) D&D. The Iodin opens up, 16 titties fall out. Yeah. I would... Can I send it to two people? Sure. Your I would send it to my brothers, both yeah. of them, and tell them that they have to trade off. And this is this is this is actually an idea that Keith and I have been kicking around for the longest time: is uh, two DMs that have full control over the entire story, but they alternate every single session. Yeah, and so the so and they play a character that has like either two personalities or what have you. And so at the end of the night, one of them hands them, they, they trade the DM's notes with the character sheet, and all agency is given to the other person. And so I would make my brothers do that. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> I would pick Shelly Mazenoble, who works in marketing at Wizards, because that she is my, one of my favorite people, and she never gets to do real play. So hmm. have fun, Shelly. I could also see the woman who plays... Um... Uh, Janet from The Good Place. Oh my god! That's a <laughs> oh great gosh. choice. I was also considering um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So, as Catman? As Catman. Yes, as Catman. Great. <laughs> so. Okay. You, you, he's actually like from islands, you know? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's Samoan. Um, so, Sam's other question is. There's this little meme challenge thing where you pick three characters you're most like. What would these three be for your player characters? You know, like player characters. You know, like grid where it's like split into four, and it's like, what three characters are you? And I am, um, I'm Jordy from Stand by Me, and um, Mrs. Belcher. Yeah, I'm Mrs. Belcher, and I'm also the saleswoman from the office whose name I can't remember. What would Mm -hmm. you guys be? As your characters. Or, and Nick, if you want to pick your favorite NPC. Yeah. I've got mm. one. Oh, I can boy. answer this one easily because I've put thought into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Lucian. Okay. Uh, Lucian uh, is a blend of the Doctor, specifically David Tennant's Doctor from Doctor Who. Um, a, the main character from Tales of Vesperia uh, named Yuri. Because uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to him there, and uh, lastly, um, the final character would be a little bit of I forget his name. I forgot his name. From what? I don't even remember. Maybe I only had two, because those were the two that influenced the most. Oh, uh, Captain Picard. Nice. Okay. Because of all of his, like, it, with Captain Picard and uh, specifically Tenant's Doctor, there's a lot of human beings are better than yeah. this. Like, we can rise above, you know, like, there's, like, infinite potential. And so, like, the whole, like, amazement with the infinite possibilities of things happening and things that can, that the infinite possibilities of potential 
is really drawn from Picard. Um, the entire idea of the very good person who goes around and does good things, but on the turn of a dime will just like has no qualms with like roasting an entire like let's say Sawagan hatchery like will do that without even thinking about it is very much borrowed from the doctor and that's also Picard so, a little bit um a little Picard's bit a Picard, little vicious. yes um I've got my three oh, I I've also ahead. got my three and uh I'm actually also going to I was going to say Captain Picard I love um, it y'all but <laughs> Pariah takes something else from Picard. Pariah takes the diplomat aspect mm-hmm. of Captain Picard and just kind of runs with that. Uh, but then he's also got uh, Han Solo. Ah, yep. Love Definitely that. Definitely Han Solo. Ask questions later. Shoot first, ask questions later. Um, a scoundrel with a heart of gold. Totally out for himself, but also cares about other people. And then uh, the last one is the man with no name. And the last one is the yeah. man with no name. Those are great. Same, same kind of character will help people, but also sometimes the best way of helping people is killing the bad guys, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if it's in cold blood. Mm-hmm. I love that you had sci-fi, sci-fi, Western, Western. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Connor? <laughs> well, all three of mine are cartoons. Good. Um, Two of mine would be cartoons. Uh. Malachi, to me, feels like a weird mix of uh, Disney's Hercules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when he's a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, and then early when he's, you know, gone zero to hero. Um, hero. Okay. Just like that. Uh, old Joseph Joestar from uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, I could see it a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. And then uh, Saifa from Netflix's Castlevania series. Mm. I have to watch that. Uh, is that for Yoel? That's for Yoel and the the studious, um, yeah. studious smartass magic user. Yeah. After yeah. watching that, that quickly became an inspiration for how I uh, treat Yoel a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Saifa was great. I, I will fantastic. give you. I will give you one other that I think. Yeah. Really yeah. plays well with Malachi. Mm-hmm. Soka from the Last Airbender. Yeah. Yeah. Like Sokka. Okay. Mm-hmm. Boomerang, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> See, there. Oh, there he's were very a lot. much Sokka. There's, there's a lot of. Uh, all my characters are very heavily inspired by whatever media I'm absorbing mm, at the time that I'm too. creating them. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. I think that plays into yeah. almost everybody. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. You're, you know, whatever you're into at the moment kind of bleeds into whatever you're creating at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yol is named after a Dark Souls NPC, so... <laughs> it was actually a guy, but... Yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. It sounds more like a girl's name in a fantasy mm-hmm. setting. So. I could have I done Yuria, but eh. eh. That's also much more obvious. Mm-hmm. Also, the seeing the variations of spelling that all of the fans try to <laughs> put on Yule, for Yol. Yule was my favorite. Yule was Yule good. Yule log. I, I yeah. also Yule love uh, I A O E L or something like that. I was just like, oof. I, they're just they're yeah. right in line with how Connor butchers Akisics. But anyway, <laughs> six Fun fact is the name of the uh, weapon that the final boss uses in Fire Emblem Seven. Really? <laughs> seven. It's either six or seven. I forget which one. The one with Roy. 
It's a spear that turns into a great sword and vice versa, and it's like enormous and dope. But anyway, Sam, what about Catman? Oh, sweet. Thank you for asking me. Um, to continue the Star Trek train, I'm gonna say um our lovely Wesley Crusher, um, as one of Catman's um uh, people. I could see it. Overeager, yeah. annoying. Shut up, Wesley. Um, definitely some Louis Belcher in there. Uh scheming tiny yeah <laughs> and of course stuff on her head yeah, yeah. seriously stuff on her head. <laughs> um and of course mabel pines from gravity falls i did not know that mabel pines was essentially catmint until i watched it <laughs> years after i made catmint and i it's just she they're like so similar and it makes me so happy to see some of the stuff that mabel does because i'm like there there's my girl there she goes um, yep. Mabel's a little bit sweeter, I think, than Catmint is, but <clears throat> there's definitely same energy. I'm swapping oh, yeah. Joseph Joster with Dipper Pines for mine because I mean we're yeah. basically those two in this campaign, and Pariah yeah. is basically our dear dear uncle. Yeah, alright. So I have a couple questions for you guys. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. to wrap oh, things yeah. up. Ooh. Cause we're uh, we're getting close to uh, closing time. Closing time. Wait, Nick, you didn't yep. pick a. <clears throat> oh, you did. Hmm? You picked. Sorry, you went first. I forgot. Yeah. Um. My first question is more of an incredulous one. Sure. Um. Out of all of the races that are available to you, <laughs> you guys chose to play my homebrewed ones. Yeah. <laughs> which had not been play tested at all. Yeah. Were. While the concept of them was well flushed out mm-hmm. because I go concept and then mechanics, whereas mm-hmm. other people would go vice versa. Why? Uh, I've, I've got an answer. Robot cowboy. Yep. Okay, that's fair. Just full stop, robot cowboy. And then beyond that, also, um, because when you do that, I know you go concept first. Yeah, and I think that's it's fair. I, I I think it's funny You're to like, force oh, you to scramble got... and fix it. You can kind of op it a little bit. Too. I thought that they were pretty well balanced. Yeah. Yeah. But my I'm question on that. There. My question on that is, if you could tweak something with the mechanics of your races, Connor, I know why you picked yours because we basically created that race together. Yeah. I don't know um, why I picked mine. We've established that. Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> Robot if there cowboy. was something you could tweak with your mm. races mechanics, what would you change? Sub races where the things that are on your head, the types of plant on your head, does something. Uh, I would add in re- resistances and weaknesses appropriate to being a robot. I would actually make Shadowbound a class. Ooh. Really? Because I feel like there's a lot of cool room there for unique things that the shadow could do in and out of combat. That a type. you can't really that you can do in role play with right. being a race, but there's like no real mechanics for it. Uh, you could make it a type of warlock. Yeah, that's almost essentially what uh, yeah strafe was, right, Sam? Strafe wasn't that your your librarian girl? I just didn't remember her name. If we're talking about her, then yes, um, kind of. She was one of the shadow not star um, spell scarred, I believe. Yeah. And so I kind of so played her. So her shadow her. was animate. 
Yeah, I played her as a dark yeah. human, essentially. Um, yeah. It, it was more, I was more going for a witch vibe. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More of Sabrina, the teenage witch, than what Malachi ended up being, but it's a similar idea. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and as far as re- resistances and weaknesses, I mean, like, weakness to lightning, but resistant to, like, poison. Yeah. That kind okay. of an idea. Okay. Just to add some flavor to how he takes damage and, and right. like a mechanic flavor. Right. Okay. Oh, I thought of another character that... Okay, Cap- we move <laughs> past that. I'm Kaylee sorry. from Firefly. There you go. All right. Now, uh, this these are questions for your characters, so please answer in character. Oh, God. Hold on. I gotta get... Uh... <clears throat> I gotta I raise my eyebrows. <laughs> uh, Everything Pariah. is terrible. What? As you know... Merchant has gone off the grid. It's been mentioned a couple times. Where do you think he is? Uh, probably in hiding. Okay. <laughs> or he sold his ship and got stuck. Okay. Maybe he's dead. Cat- <laughs> Catman. Mm. Actually, no, we'll go Malachi next. Oh. Mm. If you were offered <laughs> mechanical legs... Or something that would allow you to move with them, courtesy of a Rin. Would you accept them? Why or why not? No. No. Because um, a lot of like how I fight and how I move is dependent on like having Yol be in control. So mm. if it were... I gotta get in my Malachi voice, which is just a little bit higher than my normal voice. Um... I, I'd, I'd thank Arin for the thought, but there's other people who could probably use them better than I, and Yol and I fight well together. I don't want to potentially jeopardize that. Okay. Catman. Mm. <laughs> what are your plans for when this is all over? I'm going to go home for a while, and I'm going to sleep for a really long time. Um, and probably drink a lot of pina coladas. And not do a lot of work. But I'd also make my friends come with me and hang out with me even if they didn't want to. (laughs) And then I want to make those grumpy Wilden up in the north be happy. So maybe we'd throw a really big party for them at their house. Okay. Uh, This, these are, that's all, those are the only questions I had for you guys. Also coffee. I just had one each. Also coffee. This one's just for all of you guys. It's open forum. Do you guys have any theories for the end? Yeah, I have many, and they're... I i don't want to guess. Do you guess. want to share? I don't want to guess, because, like, every time I guess the ending of something, either I get it nailed on the head, or I'm 1,000% wrong, and then I'm bitter that I wasn't right. Okay. Um... I have some theories that have to do with the ley line and time travel. <laughs> okay. Pariah? Keith? Uh, my theories are... I've got a few, uh, but I think that my number one theory is that we're going to lose. Interesting. Okay. Oh. We're going to lose and then have to come back from that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. Interesting. I mean, you guys already lost. Yeah, oh, we're we going to lose bigger. Kicked. <laughs> Can we're we lose, lose bigger? bigger? Yes. Well, I mean, 
allowing the scarred man to undergo his, his apotheosis is part of the plan. Yeah. Which is where you guys gone goofed <laughs> yeah. with this most recent episode. But anyway, uh, Connor, any theories? I had theories before the last episode. Um, <laughs> my theory was we were going to kill this guard man and that was going to be the last episode. Uh, but you knew I was going to have... Yeah. It's the classic confront Cam- the villain. Was, you cannot have the believe. villain yet. Yeah. I wanted to believe, though. Um, I Now that we know that... Uh, I'm going to... We we learned that the scarred man was a shadow bound in that last yeah. episode, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. Well, now that we know the scarred man is a shadow bound, Malachi uh, will probably be considering the idea of trying harder to potentially find a way to reverse yeah. it. Yeah. So we okay. can, you know, get his uh his shadow away from him. Mm-hmm. I have some theories about shadow bounds and the machina. And kind of their relationship. Um, oh, I think you already explained that. I I yeah. know. I think it's more than what you said. I think there. I think there's a final plot point that involves that. Um, at least, I don't know. Um, and I also, what was the other thing I was thinking? Um, no, I can't remember. It was really good. It was a really good idea, you guys. I I also think there's going to be a big big like battle of helms deep style yeah. battle with a bunch of characters well you mm-hmm. guys know me as the dm armies. yeah mm-hmm. come on now i'm a sucker for that aren't we yeah. all yeah all right i can't remember the thing I oh i wanted say... to ask sorry oh go ahead um i wanted to ask you guys what you think about ringley what is up with this I think he's a bastard for not staying and helping us out is what I think but about Ringley. Who is Ringley? I mean, like, Nick, okay, so here's the thing. Nick wouldn't be like, here's some special wizards and they're all friends and they lived here. Ooh, there they go, never to be seen again. Like, they're significant. I have no idea how they're significant. It has to be a character callback. And, I mean, like, Pariah's perception of it was, hey, good for him. Yeah. I mean, in I hope character, the listeners I've can fe- about it. I I hope you guys can feel my smug face. Yeah. Through <laughs> my just I have so much planned. In character Catman's forgotten about it completely, which is difficult oh my because God. like I have not. And also the listens. Can we talk about the listens? It's fine, you guys. We'll get there. It's fine. Mhm. There's a lot of answers we still Poor- need. Pariah is getting more and more convinced that Malachi is just crazy. Yeah, just making him up. Malachi is getting more and more convinced that Malachi is just crazy. <laughs> You're not alone. You guys you guys know me as a DM. I will play yeah. the late game in the latest sense of late game. There will be payoff for everything, I assure you. Unless y'all die and then it's like, oh, well, campaign's over. Bye, guys. Good okay. audio. Good radio. Great, great radio. But that is all the time we have. We've gone uh, quite a bit over. It's okay. Um, but uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sticking with us, uh, being our listeners, being our fans for these 50 episodes. It's been more than a year and a half that we've been doing this. Holy, just wow. 
I cannot believe it's been going on this long. Um, I am proud of each and every one of you three. So as usual, you know, if you want to say hello, uh, if you want to give us a shout out, find us on social media, uh, offer your opinions, they will be looked at and probably answered, potentially ignored if they're not nice. Um, because that's how you should just treat social media. Just don't pay it any heed. Anyway, <clears throat> you can find us on Twitter at EXP and Gold. You can find us on Facebook. It's Experiencing Gold. Um, and you can also find us uh, via email if you really want. Actually, the majority of listener feedback that we've gotten has been via email. And iTunes reviews. And iTunes reviews. Yeah, leave a review on iTunes. You guys, we have been forgetting to remind people to leave reviews on we have. Like, iTunes and stuff yeah. for 50 episodes. So everybody make 50 new iTunes accounts and each I mean, leave one episode, one review for each episode that we haven't reminded you to leave a review. Five stars each time. <laughs> if, you, if you've got any critiques or anything, we'd still love to hear them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, definitely remind me to uh, be more descriptive in uh, setting. Just write a paragraph about every place I we go. Don't want to. That's how remind me go. to write down character names. Remind <laughs> me to write down my inventory and the things that, that goes are to all three me. of you. You shut up. <laughs> hey, it's hard I write on down D. my inventory. Yeah, Keith does yes, a good job. Keith it's hard does. on D twenty though. Uh, roll 20. Uh, D20. 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 It's been a All long right. day. But until next time, we'll catch you later. Sign off pending. Bye, kiddos. Oh. Uh. Hey there. What, uh. What are you still doing here? Ep episode's over. I, I, I'm, I'm locking up the, uh. Locking up the recording studio. We, uh, with, with. We're done. Go, go home. Get out of here. What are you? What are you doing? I, I see. I see what it is. You, you've been going to too many of them, uh, them superhero movies. You, you expecting there to be some kind of big tease at the end credits? Got to see what's coming up. Got to find out if, uh, if if any of your, your heroes will return in a later installment. Why? Well, I, I can tell you that uh, all three of the, uh, all three of the, the knuckleheads. What? What? Uh, what run this joint? They they're gonna return. So um, leave I guess. No, not good enough. Okay. Uh, let me hold on. Let me uh, let me let me see uh, what's on the uh, on the old schedule, and I can give you a little bit of a tease of something coming. Um, uh, you probably already know, but uh, the new bad kids, the new bad space kids, is gonna be coming soon for the holiday special. So that's uh, that's something. And uh, oh, oh, would you look at that? All right, folks. Keep an eye on the uh, on the experience in gold Facebook and the Twitter, cause something something real cool is gonna be coming in the next couple days. Now go home already. <laughs>